0: Leanne O'Sullivan is an Intrepid Traveller and CEO and Digital Sherpa at Adventure Digital, a tour guide to the wonderful world of online marketing. From her home base in Dubbo, New South Wales, Leanne shares how she got started in business and her motivation to provide flexibility and support to other entrepreneurs. She talks about the key elements in building a successful online presence. She emphasizes the importance of authenticity in the online world and the need to be true to oneself. Leanne also opens up about a challenging period in her career when she felt overwhelmed and disconnected. She shares the importance of seeking help and finding support during tough times. Leanne is the OG of the Oak community, being one of the first people to take out an advert as well as pen an article for our launch issue. She is full of knowledge and so willing to share. Meet my friend Leanne from Adventure Digital. Hello Leanne and welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Kim. It is great to be here.
0: It has been a long time coming. You are the OG of our Oak community.
1: Oh, my goodness. That is like what an honour. I'm sorry, but that is a real honour.
0: I was waiting for you to come online and I thought that I would pull out the very first time that we connected through Oak and that takes us all the way back to issue one and then I actually went into my inbox and I looked at the date of the email and it was August 2017. So you were one of our first advertisers. Wow. I had a look and it was $250 back then and I'm just thinking, oh my God, I haven't even raised that price. Like, first of all, I need to look at my prices <laughs> and inflation. <laughs> yes,
1: yes, yes. (laughs)
0: but can I ask you a personal question um even though the podcast isn't really about me but like what attracted you to Oak way back then because it it was pitched to you as a 20-page magazine
1: (laughs) I think even back then I've always wanted to support women in business because of the nature of what I do being in digital marketing you know you do live in the online world a lot and you do see a lot of businesses and people come across your screen or your phone and I think even back then I could just notice things that were worth paying attention to so I mean hello look at how far you've come it was that that's something that appealed to me and I just think that I remember what it's like to start a business I work a lot with startups it's good to remember the beginning of things and to support people at the beginning.
0: And you have, you've been in business for 25 years, is that
1: correct? Yes, a bloody long time.
0: Before we go back, you know, 25 years ago and and how you got into business, aside from your advert that was in there, and again, I've so forever grateful. I think I've, I've said that a couple of times over the years. I'm so grateful to those issue one people that, you know, took a chance. You also actually wrote an article for the magazine and it was called um, None of Us Is Superwoman. And I had a little read of it before we come online. And it is still such a relevant article, Leanne. I'm going to post it back up on our website. Uh, so that's up the top there and, and people can find it. It was quite a personal article too. You, you dug in and, and
1: shared well, sometimes I think there's not enough truth in, in business. We do see a lot, especially, I know it's said a lot about our social media and, and all the beautiful things and we're all living the beautiful life. And there is lots of beauty in life, but there's also some real things. And I don't know, I always smile because... My kids are now um, all at uni and adults and I look now online at some of the stories that weren't around a lot when my kids were toddlers and my kids were in primary school about the reality and how tough it was doing business and doing motherhood and doing life back then. I don't think it helps at times to sugarcoat everything. I don't think you always need to tell it all the terrible, but I don't think it helps us all as business women, if
0: we sugarcoat too much yeah you've been in business 25 years you've had three kids over that period so if anyone knows that juggle from having little ones with a business to you know they also are really hard when they get to teenagers and then I can't imagine what they're like when they're at adults if they're if they're off your plate and they're self-sufficient yet I don't know No, I tell you you know
1: little people little problems big
0: people big problems great so much to look forward to can't wait
1: (laughs) But also lovely, especially my sons. As little boys, beautiful. And then teenagers, horrific. And then now, especially my eldest, finally. I have that beautiful, gentle little boy back, but he is a strapping six-foot-three man. Wonderful. He's back. I am so pleased that I hung around to to see it.
0: I think this is a whole nother podcast, Leanne. So I have two boys and two girls and my two boys are teens, so 17 and 15 at the moment. It's so interesting when you talk to mums who have boys and they talk about this period, I don't know, of that teen years of, yeah, where they? <laughs> where you lose that little boy that yeah. was so nice. Yes. It's
1: so kind. Yes. yes. And I tell people, they come back, they come back, hang in there, hang in there. He's going to come back.
0: I'm so glad. Um, So tell me, take me back 25 years. How did you get into running your own business?
1: Ooh, okay. Well, actually it kind of started with having children actually. I think I always envisaged that I was going to have a career in business. I remember a seminal moment when I was in Year 7 and Mum and Dad took us to Melbourne. This was 79 I went to Melbourne and everyone in Melbourne in the CBD seemed to be walking around in trench coats. Men and women were all in trench coats and I remember thinking then that's what I want. I want to be in a job where I wear a trench coat. And so I always thought I was going to be in business. So obviously at that point I thought it was going to be corporate and I did have you know, a corporate career and I worked with Caltex and I worked with BHP and NAB and they were all terrific, great jobs, great foundation jobs. But I always knew when my husband and I wanted to have children, I wanted to have the job with the satisfaction, the professional satisfaction, but the flexibility that I just knew I wasn't going to get with some big high-powered job. And I mean, back then, there was no such thing as maternity leave. There was no such thing really as... Part time work, like it was a lot more rigid. I think so. When I had my second, my daughter, I knew I wasn't coming back to full time work. It was just too tough. I mean, I remember when I went back to work after I had my son to my job in Sydney, and I dropped him off at mum's, and I like cried driving all the way to Sydney because um, I was living on the coast then. So we just knew that we wanted to have the flexibility. And then an opportunity presented itself in this wonderful world of the internet and websites. And basically, my husband and I just went, okay, we've got two children, let's just quit our jobs and start a business. So we did, Uh, which in hindsight, maybe not necessarily the smartest thing to do, but you do lots of brave and foolhardy things when you're young, and you've got a lot more energy. But We had opportunities in Central West New South Wales and so we took them and we just did it. And because I just thought I can't work, because it wasn't nine to five, I can't work eight to six and commute with children. I want to have, they need a life, I want to enjoy them and I also want to have a business and that's why we did it.
0: I mean the internet back then versus now and even now it changes so quickly. You've probably seen it all.
1: Yes, yes. Absolutely. I 100% have seen it all. Because back then, there was nothing. Everything was hand-coded. Back then, it was just websites, you know, and you'd build everything from scratch. There was no email marketing. There was nothing. I remember when um, email marketing was introduced, but prior to that, we developed our own email marketing platform. E-commerce engines like they exist now didn't exist. We built one. It was pre-social media. Like, I remember... You know, I remember when Facebook actually was fun and Twitter wasn't hideous and, you know, back in the day when nobody really knew what they were doing and were just experimenting a lot with things that seem so far removed from where we are today, which even though I've been there all the way through, like oftentimes when I do, you know, presentations or or talks to, to groups and things, I often laugh and say, I think I'm one of the oldest web developers in the country, which is not quite true, but potentially we've been in and around the space in various forms since the beginning, a long time. A long time. So you
0: know how you were saying, um, Twitter wasn't as hideous as it is now you know when threads launched just recently even that first couple of days it was like the the early times
1: it was like the early times it was so great to sort of say to other people who were younger and weren't there and said this is what it was like this is was the potential of social media back in the day which you know what seven years ago eight years ago back in the day that's ridiculous I've 100% felt the same. I remember. Did you
0: use threads and have you still got it on your phone?
1: I did use threads. Um, I do have it on my phone. I dive in there a bit. I find it too hard. Maybe we're used to, you know how you get used to other platforms and the uniqueness of other platforms and you understand the ecosystem? I still don't get threads. I don't know what it's trying to be yet. It's not unique enough for you to pay attention to how you're meant to use it. It's kind of like Facebook without pictures. It's kind of like Twitter without hashtags, but it's not quite like any of those channels. It's not quite unique enough, I don't think, to, I don't know. I don't know what it is about it.
0: It's integrated though. So I've deleted the app since, but I've just noticed that it's appearing in my Facebook feed, in my Instagram feed. Um, So really integrating it back in, but I'm not sure it'll get me back over there because as you said, it, I don't know, it just was, okay, this is now same, same. That fun stuff disappeared really quickly.
1: Exactly, and I don't know, and because at the beginning, like a lot of people from Twitter jumped over, and that's why I originally jumped over because obviously I've used Twitter a long, long time, but I use it for different purposes. I don't use it for work so much. It's it's never become a thing in Australia unless you're, you know, media or ag or sport. It never really took off in any other, any other sort of industry. So a lot of people from Twitter went to Threads and then were like, Mm, I don't know how to use it. It just, I don't know, I can't quite put my finger on it. But you're right, like I see it in my feed. And periodically, I dive over there. But I just don't see enough of the people that I know or that I want to
0: know. Mm, yeah. So you are featured in our issue 13, which oh, it's just so cool that you've done this like full circle and we actually get to know about, you know, more about your business. And, and in your article, you had mentioned that success online doesn't necessarily mean that you're good at reels or it doesn't put you in that little box of, yeah, I'm on Instagram i unsuccessful. successful. I'd love to pull that apart in terms of, for you, across all those digital mediums, that whole footprint, what does success online look like? Wow. That's a big question, isn't it?
1: (laughs) It is a big question. And I was thinking about this in the car. And one of the things that I think we're all just starting to really grapple with is where does AI fit into the online space, into the written word, into all of the stuff that we've done in the past? And what's that going to mean going forward? And the reason that I'm thinking about that and overlaying it into your question is because if AI can write a beautiful blog article for you and craft your email newsletter, and everybody's got access to the same bank of the whole world's information easily, how are we differentiated? How are we actually different in the marketplace? And this is where you come back to in my mind, you come back to social media and you come back to, I think, the increasing importance of personal brand. And here's a word I'm about to use, and please don't cringe, being authentic. When I say authentic, I'm talking about being true to who you are, because in a world where everyone can essentially copy anybody else's content, how are you, you? And being you online and connecting with people through an online medium, whether it's written communication, or in particular, social media communication, potentially, how are you you? Well, (laughs) you're you when you are presenting yourself as you truly are. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to follow, well, it doesn't mean follow any trend at all. Because unless that's part of who you are as a person, why are you doing it? I mean, I cringe when I see some people who I know online jigging about the place. Now, if you are a groovy dancer, then you no doubt people who know you have probably seen you, you know, hitting the light fantastic or bopping away in your chair. That is you. But if we think we need to keep up with trends in social media, we aren't going to stand out at all because unless we are the best at that thing or we initiate that thing, we are just washed away in the sea of sameness. And it makes it
0: hard to get cut through. And they're always chasing that viral. You know, that piece of content didn't work. Why is it not working? What am I doing wrong? This platform doesn't work. It's because people can't connect. As you said, they they can't connect to that person that's almost inauthentic. There's, there's no human connection there. Um, I remember when AI sort of came out as quite big this year and especially ChatGPT and I had a few people say to me, well, you know, there goes, there goes your mag. Are you worried about your career as a writer, as a copywriter? I love writing. Like I can't look to ChatGPT as my way out or as creating the content because I actually enjoy writing it. I love talking to someone and, and getting those moments. And I, I still don't think it can replicate voice and and it was so interesting. I was speaking to someone, they've brought a book out and they have been advised to just flag that none of this is written by Chat GPT. I'm like, we're getting to that point. The mag, is that something that, you know, do I need to contact the writers and say, hey, I, we can't have that in the mag. Like
1: we really do need
0: you to write that.
1: Yeah, wow. Like, but it is, It's a. it's a thing and I think people need to think about it. And I think for many people, It's a real challenge, especially if you're thinking, how do I be, how can I be uniquely me? How do I get cut through and how do I connect with people? And I just think online's just really screwed up how we think we've been doing business for the last, what, millennia of doing business. People buy from you because they like, here we go, here's some more cliche, sorry. (laughs) But you know what I'm about to say? Yep. Yep. So I won't
0: say it. No, please do, because someone else might not. And I think we need these reminders.
1: So the reason that people say people need to, you know, know, like and trust you is because it's bloody true. There are business fundamentals that I think social media has skewed and people have sprouted them out there saying, oh, just do the latest trend or just copy everyone and, and then they'll come to know, like and trust you. But that's actually not what it is because if you're in business and you're actually in negotiation, you're putting a proposal out there, those conversations that you have with people, whether it's on the phone, in person, you know, if you're in someone's DMs or whatever, those conversations are you being you. They're responding to you being you. That's so, so important. So those truisms of business are fundamental, irrespective of any industry. And no amount of groovy reels or viral content replaces that ever. And I think whilst you know, chat GPT. And I mean, in your game, wow, that's, you threw up a lot of really, really good questions there, Kim. I mean, it is a real thing confronting people who are writers and write for a living. But on the other side of it, we think, well, then how amazing is true creativity?
0: Yes. I didn't even flip my mindset to that, that it is so unique and maybe that is the superpower. <laughs>
1: I think that we need to revisit those fundamentals and we need to be brave in being ourselves more in the online space. You know, one of the things, because I work with a lot of um, subject matter experts these days, you know, a lot of professional service firms, consultants, management people, and academics, you know, people that have wonderful things to say, have original thoughts, have years of study behind them, and, and I help them. know share that message with the world and one of the things that I'm always trying to encourage them and trying to support them in is we want to hear you we want to see you we want to experience a bit of you because you've what you've got to say and how you say it is really valuable to your audience please share it we want to know more about what it is you have to say you can do it you are a really intelligent person I want to know more. Please share some of that with me.
0: Yeah, somehow we got lost and have decided that you is not enough when it absolutely is. Like, do you think there is a place for AI though? Whether it's ChatGPT creating your social media captions and that, is is there a place still for it?
1: Oh, 100% there is because it's just a tool. I'm in a similar space to you in that a lot of what I do is writing. And if I wasn't using tools to help me do that better, then I'd be silly. And I'm kind of, I think one of the ways that I like to see it, and and perhaps because it's all very new and all very fast and all sorts of crazy things are happening. If we think back to, let's go back to like the calculator or logarithmic tables or even little rods, people who were learning maths or doing maths in their head, maybe poo-pooed people who started to use calculators. Oh, what? You can't do it in your head. But in effect, a calculator helps people do more sophisticated maths, higher level maths, maths that they never could have done if they were just penning, papering it or trying to do it in their head. And I kind of think in relation to AI and in terms of how we might be using it, if we approach it as a tool to help us, think of how much better we can be with it, especially if we've got some underlying fundamentals. You know, if you are a subject matter expert, if you really know your stuff, a tool like any AI tool that can help prompt you with stuff is going to fast track you getting to your destination. And I'm a big person, you know, in terms of when I work with with clients and, and, you know, and some of the material that I've shared with you, Kim, about like Adventure Digital and the digital compass and seeing where you want to go into the future. I think some of these tools can help us get there faster, can get there more easily, but we can't lose sight of the knowledge that we have and not I don't know, is lazy the right word? Oh, look, yeah. I mean,
0: I've used it. It's in different, I suppose, different programs that we use anyway. So, I mean, something that everyone would be familiar with is Canva. So, obviously, I'm trying to finish the mag, but there's a couple of podcast episodes that have not been released yet that I needed summaries for to publish in the mag. So, it's just that, you know, deadlines and timelines just aren't meeting up. But again, it's me, instead of sitting there and editing three hours, of interviews and that actually takes longer. So each edit I suppose takes sometimes about five hours. It just depends. Going backwards and forwards and and then writing the summary to put it into something that translates or spits out that episode into a summary, show notes, headlines, blog posts, social media. To have that happening in the background has just been such a massive help. Now, that doesn't mean it's a copy and paste of whatever that summary was, because it's so out of whack. But at least I've got the transcript there that I can quickly just find those pull-out moments and go, bang, that's the bit that I need to add in. For me, that's how AI is incredible. It it is, is, it
1: is, it is. Anytime you've got like a big document, a big meaty thing that you want to get to the guts of, it can review things like that and really help you fast track the work that you're trying to do. For those kinds of things, it's amazing.
0: Well, I don't know how we got onto AI, but anyhow, um, tell me a little bit more about what you do in your business, Adventure Digital.
1: Okay, so we are a boutique digital marketing agency and uh, we like to work with, as I was saying before, people that have great things to say. So I like to work with um, professional service firms or subject matter experts they tend to be the kinds of clients. It's in the B2B space that we like to work and we work holistically across the whole digital ecosystem. So our model, when people come to work with us, we don't sort of like do one little bit of their work, say, oh, yeah, we might do some socials for you or yes, we can do some Google ads for you or yes, we could build your website. We like to look at their business in its entirety and then we approach how we can help them and we work across four key areas of what I call the digital ecosystem being web, social content and search so that if you come to us we can do all the things across that ecosystem for people Um, rather than having to like oh I need to talk to you and you and and all over the place so we like to work holistically like that because I do think over the years of working with clients we've often discovered that things don't work or slip through or aren't being maximized if all four areas of the digital space like that aren't being looked at by the client. People come to us and, you know, they say things like, oh, my social media is not working. And then you look at the messaging that they have and they haven't got any any content structure in place. And then when you go to their website, you can see that it doesn't have appropriate call to action. Some of the things aren't working. You know, the SEO is all weird and, you know, potentially they're trying to rely on organic social media like it's 2009 when we need to do some advertising to get them in front of the right people. So we kind of work, work like that with people. We've got a lot of um, retainer clients around the place that we work with who I've loved working with, long-term clients who you really get to know them and their business and their dreams. And I love hearing businesses' why stories, origin stories, especially businesses I think that have been around a long time, a little bit like me, <laughs> um, <laughs> because you hear the stories you hear, you, the resilience, the care for customers, like I really love that. You know, sometimes in the online space everything can seem so transactional, but when you're working with people in the way we do, you kind of get to understand how they view their clients their long-term clients and the care that they have for them and the concern that they have for what they're doing. And I love, I just like that. I just like working with good people who care about other people, basically.
0: Mm, Yes. And when you talk about sort of all those different areas that you work with, what's the first, what do you think is the, the first most core thing that a business needs to do? And especially when we're talking about small sort of micro businesses, is it looking at their values or some key messaging or like where should they start rather than just I suppose jumping on Instagram, putting up a picture, putting a little caption and some hashtags.
1: Yes. And that often is where people start, but that's the last thing that they should be doing because they need to be clear on what they're putting on that page. People might have heard of the business model canvas uh, with businesses, and we call it the digital business model canvas, because we look at everything through the a digital lens when we start to work with a client, we want them to say, tell me what it is you're trying to do over the next 12 to 18, two years time. So I need to understand what it is you want to do. I also want to really understand who, and this is really important for any business, who are you actually serving? Who are your actual clients? And I know, you know, I can remember, and everyone remembers when they start a business that what drives you is cash And so who you want to work with is often secondary and oftentimes during your business, who you want to work with might be secondary to am I generating any cash? We'll assume that cash will happen, but you do have to understand who you're working, who you want to work with, why, what do they care about, why do you care about that? So you're getting clear on your why as well as their why because those two things help you then determine the content that you're going to share. And you also need to be realistic, you know, when we're looking at this digital business model canvas, you need to be realistic about what resources do I have to do this stuff? Because there's no point going all guns blazing with some, say, social media strategy or some content plan and you all run out of puff because you get half a dozen clients and then you're full. You sort of have to think about, well, what resources do I have? How can I, who can I use to help me with them? Can I use suppliers to help me with stuff? Do I have to create stuff? Should I get a library? If you do all of that planning, then for us when we look at starting work, once we're clear on those whys, on those who's, we then look at message and content. And that's got to be a really foundational piece. So I sort of when I'm looking at the our digital ecosystem and we have web and social and content and search, I often say that the web and the content parts, they are foundational pieces. They are so critical. The content is the messaging and the things you say and the information that's important and the connections that you're trying to make with people so they understand I'm your person. So that's why that's really important. And your web stuff is, you know, your own space. That's where you host all of this information that people can find and discover. They're foundational things. Whereas the fun stuff is the social stuff and the the search stuff. That's the amplification stuff. And neither of those things, if you don't have foundations, amplification just goes out into the wind, out into the ether and nothing. You've got to have the foundational elements. And we start, we do the analysis first. We get people to think. You might be surprised, Kim, it's really common for businesses not to take the time at the beginning to think about who they serve and why and why those people should care about them. In the planning phase of businesses, often people don't go beyond logo development and why those things are important which they are visual elements of course are super important but they're one part of those important early stages not all of them and if you haven't done all of that original that's thinking stuff when you come to your foundational elements when you come to your content of what you're sharing what you're talking about and making sure that you're making connections with the people that will pay attention to what you're saying if they're not there you can do all the beautiful stuff on social media you like, it's just gonna fall over.
0: Do you love the idea of taking the hard work out of shopping, knowing that someone else has curated for you endless apparel and homewares options that are high quality, often handmade, and always beautiful? At Vivian Kate, the focus is on natural fibers and a timeless earthy style. You'll find high quality clothing in classic styles, unique homewares such as cow hides and handmade ceramics, gorgeous aromatherapy-based skin and body products, and so much more. Personally, I love the selection of jewelry. Karen from Vivian Kate is all about connection and understanding what you need, and she offers a personal styling service by appointment. Karen loves to support other regional women in business and has a wide network of talented friends from all over the country, whose work she stocks in store in the beautiful regional town of Yakandanda in northeast Victoria. The Vivian Kate website mirrors the charm of the bricks and mortar store, ensuring you can access the same carefully selected items with just a click. Find out more by visiting www.viviankate.com or check out our show notes for links. Has there been a time in your career where you haven't felt joyful and felt that passion?
1: Yes, there has. There's probably been a few times. I mean, being in business a long time, there's lots of, you know, lots of great highs and lots of lonely times at your desk or under your desk even over over a lifetime. And I think I I look back and it was when our agency was really big and we had a lot of staff and a lot of responsibility and things weren't going quite right. And I remember that I just had had enough. I just wasn't me. I wasn't resilient. I wasn't strong. Something was wrong, like something was very wrong. And I just think that that's, I look back on that time as I honestly don't know how I'm still even talking to anybody. It was, it was such a terrible time in my life and in business. And I think, um, I mean, my kids helped, you know, my kids are why I'm still here. But I think the thing that's hard in business is to realise that everybody goes through those periods and can break. None of us are oaks, to coin a phrase. We're more willows. We have to let ourselves bend or we'll break. And when you try and really stay strong and you try and hold everything together, I, I couldn't do it. And I think I was really shocked that I couldn't and it took a while for everything, everything was like chaos. It took me a while to realise how bad things were until I actually asked for some help. And I wish I'd done it months earlier. And I'm sure everyone around me did. But I just had no idea, no understanding that that was happening to me. And I think I look now and, and you see a lot of things online. And you hear a lot of people talking about, you know, business women in groups and Facebook groups. And I remember reading some of that stuff years ago, and just not connecting that This is me, I'm that person going through this experience. I just couldn't see it and I wish I had. It would have saved a lot of heartache. And if if I'd asked for help earlier, it would have saved so much heartache. Yeah. How did you ask for help, Leanne? Well, in the first instance, it was one of those times when I was under my desk at my office late at night and I rang my mother and I asked her to come and get me. I don't quite know why in the end I did, but I'm so glad I did. Um, And I was doing a lot of driving around regional New South Wales and that was very bad for me at that time to do that and dangerous. And I remember coming back from a trip and I went to my office after this horrific experience in the car. And I just rang mum and I just asked her to come and get me. And that that was the tipping point of unlocking the I'm not right um, and once I could do that, then I could go to a psychologist. Yeah. And that's what I should have done months and months in advance because that honestly changed the whole trajectory of my life, opened up, unlocked so much about who I am as a person, understanding about other people. He was a lifesaver in a lot of ways, truly, and, and so helpful for me um to help me get back on track and get back to more like myself more like the person I was before I went down this rabbit hole of you know being this horrific business bitch it was oh it was terrible Mm.
0: even just those last few lines Leanne like the horrific business bitch I I can sense that sometimes in myself like you We obviously run a business for the flexibility and to be home with our kids and it's our passion and we feel on purpose, but there are some times when it makes me an absolute bitch at home. Like I'm the worst person in how I operate at home with the people Mm. that really deserve the most respect. And I think, what is that quote? It's your family that get the worst version of you because you do, You, you put on that big I suppose, facade when you're outside and you're happy and you're connected and you'll go to whatever length that person needs you to and you've got all this patience. My mum's always saying, you're such an impatient person. <laughs> you're so rude and short. And I'm like, yeah, it, it's actually just you that gets that version um, at home because all those barriers break down. As you said, like you talking to a psychologist as well, you know, as business owners, we almost – need that these days more than ever it's just it's so hard with everything family Mm. inflation (laughs) Mm. recession just all of it really
1: and the thing is it's it's particularly I suppose if you're someone that's been a high achiever you have really high expectations of yourself if you've got a standing in your local community I think it's worse in regional parts of the country it's very visible how you live your life there's a lot of shame attached with that sense of failure and I don't know that I, you know, that I've, I'm quite back to that. I, I feel sometimes sometimes when it's a bit stressful, things are happening to me. What's that Japanese thing where, you know, when pottery breaks and they put it all back together and they have a little bit of gold or I forget what the name of that artwork is, but I kind of feel a little bit like that sometimes, that I bro- broke apart and I've come back together and whilst I'm whole, there's still cracks and sometimes when i'm under pressure with work i feel the cracks shift a bit and i and i think you know since subsequent to that time i've had staff that have gone on maternity leave needed to have flexible more flexibility in their work life i just think that's the reality i would never because i feel such regret for some of those things that you know you were talking about kim as well about with your kids and when you get all you know raging bitch, businesswoman or whatever. Not that you do that, but that's me.
0: Uh, it gets ragey. <laughs> it
1: does. But I, you know, there's things that I that I regret that I think, but I went into business so I could go to those things and I still remember them. It's like they're there. That's That's a thing that I think, wow, if I could, I would never advise women to, I would always say, go home. Don't be here. You don't need to do this. They need you now. These are the moments that you need to be at that thing because that's why you've got this business that you have or I've got this business so that you can be there for those things that are important because that feeling of regret is something that sits with me. And it's not like there's all these things, but there are kid things that I feel regret about and they just stay with you.
0: They must. Um, It feels like a really big gear change here, but tell me about travel. Is there a place that you love and, and what does travel gift you?
1: I could talk about this for hours. Travel is my North Star. It is my one of the, our key reasons for being and it is why my husband and I are together. It provides so much joy for us to see and experience the world and it helps us stay young at heart and curious. And we have travelled many parts of the world together Um, And there are still places on our on our bucket list. This last year, we've just come back from Japan, which we'd never been to before. And it was just a wonderful experience. And I think it's really refreshing for your soul. And you do things when you travel, you go outside your comfort zone, you get to experience things, you get to be brave, you get to feel unsteady, and then come out the other side, you know, when you're in some place, and you don't know the language and you don't know your directions and you manage to get where you need to go without disasters happening. It's the best. It is just absolutely the best. And that's why that curious approach, that wanting to experience new things, that needing to go somewhere new and refresh and absorb all of that. I take that into business with me. That's why I love working with with clients and with people. That I feel like I'm taking them on a bit of an exciting journey um you know they might not think that their business is is sexy but everybody when they start their business loves it and i love that that feeling and we go to that place together i don't think i've got a favorite place in the world i just new places fire me up our bucket list we've still got Scandi on our bucket list we've got a cruise down the mekong in vietnam on our list my son is studying in brazil next year and we're going over to brazil next year to visit him we want to go back to africa different part of Africa because oh the animals in Africa are just so magical. The world is beautiful. When there's so much sadness and terror and horror, there's so much beauty and interest and gorgeous people and so much to fire up curiosity and so much good out there.
0: Yeah. I can't wait to travel. I, I will say that. It, it is something that I want to do. The husband, though, if I go with him, he wants to bring the kids I'm not too keen on that. Um, I'm happy for them. I mean, we've got four. I can't imagine how much that would cost to take them with us these days. Yeah, I need them all to get jobs and pay for their own flights.
1: hundred percent. It's not cheap. We've taken our kids, we took them to Japan as a for our youngest as an end of school treat. That was to celebrate him finishing. So we took the three of them to Japan and we've taken the three of them to Hong Kong and we took the three of them to Singapore and we've done other places with them. But that's it. That's the extent of the um, mum and dad wallet on travel excursions. You pay your own way
0: (laughs) I love it. Just to wrap us up, do you have a friend of yours that you could share with us?
1: I 100% do. And he is someone that I met on one of my husband and I, Brendan's, uh, travels back in the day. Our very first one, when we went overseas, backpacked overseas into Europe, we met Gordon. Now Dr. Gordon Spence. He is a coaching specialist, executive coach, positivity coach, just spoke at the Happiness and Its Causes conference last week. And the reason that I wanted to share him, because we've got a lifetime of fantastic gaudy stories, but what he's doing now, he's got this thing that drives him, it's called the Healthy Aging Project. And he's written a couple of books, I'm actually in one of his books, which talks about how important it is to be active in in mind and body, but particularly in our bodies as we age. Like it's too late when you're old. And this is, you know, for for Brendan and I, we think it's so important to be physically active now because we've got all these bucket list places that we want to visit. Definitely look him up. Gordon Spence, uh, Healthy Aging Project. He's really driven by making sure that the latter part of our life is just as enjoyable, that we get to do All the things that we want to do to the end, that we are active and alive and engaged and we do things with our bodies and movement that are fun, that are enjoyable, that maybe are a bit quirky. In his second book, he's got a thing where it was, um, it's something to do with extreme ironing, where people iron clothes on cliffs. That is so weird. (laughs) That is 100% a thing. You need to look it up.
0: I thought it was weird that my nan would iron my pa's jocks. I'm um, so <laughs> just.
1: <laughs> no, I'm not talking about weird things you iron because yes, that is weird. This is weird places that you iron, like cliffs. Oh my
0: gosh. That is incredible. Um, I don't iron, so even just that whole concept for me is it's just weird. So weird, but you know, whatever brings someone joy. I mean, that's the most important or happiness
1: in this case.
0: Yes, yes, although
1: I can't say that that would bring bring me um, any kind of happiness. But, you know, people, you go do you.
0: Each to their own. I've loved actually speaking with you and I could easily actually do another podcast with you, Leanne. Maybe that's what we need to start doing with some of our guests is maybe breaking them up and and having a personal story and then maybe that business side of it because you being such an OG in the digital space, I think you have so much to share. And I know that you're very generous as well in your knowledge sharing, which I always appreciate. But I also love that we actually had met in person uh, earlier this year at Grenfell.
1: Yes, we did at The Collective with beautiful Belinda, Belinda Mohini down there in Grenfell. That's such a great space and a wonderful day listening to yourself speak and listening to Georgie speak. It was wonderful.
0: How far did you travel that day?
1: I travelled from Dubbo.
0: How many hours is that? How far is that? Um,
1: it was about, oh, I think it's about three hours to get to Grenfell from Dubbo. It wasn't anywhere near the drive uh, up from Victoria that you did to get to the beautiful silos of Grenfell.
0: It was a long drive. Um <laughs> It was longer to get there than it was to get home. Uh, Siri is an absolute ass to me uh, and has this tendency to take me on unsealed roads. And when I'm in the van, it's a just an absolute nightmare. Do you think there is a lack of business events for women in rural areas? I mean, most of you travelled like quite a distance.
1: I think there is a lack of events, but there is events and people will go to them. People will support them it's hard to communicate over bigger distances, which sounds crazy. But I don't know that there's not the number of events and the cross-pollination of people in a room of events for women in business that there is, say, in metro areas or on the coast in particular. I definitely think it's the cross-pollination of people at events that makes them so fantastic. Like, I know there's a great event that happens in Orange that because it's a lot of people, there is good cross-pollination of business types because I think that's what makes a really great event. When you don't have everyone that's like you in a room, um, you have different perspectives, different kinds of businesses, different ages of people make for a great room. Yeah.
0: I was just see thinking... I- no, it wasn't this year. Or was it this year? Oh, my God, everything just mulled in. No, it was definitely last year. I uh, had an event at Oliver Birch in Bendigo. It was an Oak event. There was a couple of guest speakers and we all invited different people. So it wasn't just an Oak crowd, which I think I loved. And as you said, it's just building that connection, those networks. And I just it's so important these days to have a broad section and not just people in your own industry. It's so boring otherwise.
1: Yeah. Like, what's that saying? Australia, big place, not a lot of people in it is so true. I've got connections and get referrals from people that I've known for nearly 20 years. There's a lifetime of connection that's so worth it when you look back on or you're building, if you're building a business, it might seem hard when you start out and and you're looking to build your network, but you've got to persevere. Sometimes I know when people are a bit shy or a bit worried, but I just think You should reach out to new people because invariably people are very flattered when you reach out to them. It's always so lovely if you're hospitable and you make that move and even though it might be scary for you, but the dividends for you in five years' time for your business are so powerful. You just can't know where some connection is going to lead you because invariably it leads you somewhere good.
0: Look at us, six years on. (laughs) yes. Oh, uh, thank you so much for your support uh on day one like literally i think i must have only just launched advertising opened it up because yeah oak was launched in six weeks and that includes a two-week print time so um yeah a really really short turnaround so thank you for supporting right from the start and and to here and today like that means a lot uh issue 13 is incredible because we have your story but we also have quite a cross section from central west new south wales our front cover is from dubbo uh i just i don't know i think it's meant to be but thank you again for being on the podcast and yeah maybe
1: i will um yeah entice you back again oh it was lovely to talk to you today thank you so much
0: now, before you take off with all that inspiration and knowledge, we'd love for you to leave a review on our podcast so that we can continue to amplify women's voices in the media. And if you have any questions we'd like to celebrate a win, you can always connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Oak Magazine AU. I'm so glad we've met and that now you know a friend of mine.